Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Really, Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley back to Kevin. Oh, Gravy! Hello and welcome to the Believe in Timberwolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. As always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hedke NBA. Welcome to the first official episode of the Believe in Timberwolves podcast, tra- you know, transitioning from the Wolf Among Wolves podcast. Today, I am talking about the Timberwolves win last night against the Sacramento Kings, their game tonight against the Sacramento Kings, and the Tyrese Halliburton versus uh, Anthony Edwards Rookie of the Year conversation. And I have Brendan Nunes here with me from the Kings Pulse. Is that the podcast? And then the Kings Herald is the website you write for, correct? That is correct. Thanks for having me on, Brandon. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we got the meeting of the Brendans here, and <laughs> we're not going to fight over over any of that stuff. No misspelling, E-N-A-N. We're all good. Um, but I do I do want to thank you for coming on, because this is um, going to be a really interesting conversation. And what do you, you want to start with? You want to start with the games? You want to start with the Rookie of the Year conversation? I, it, it's up to you. Uh, maybe let's start with Rookie of the Year. The games... Uh... I don't know about your point of view. It's probably similar, but I'm a little apathetic with some of these games. For sure, uh, they're for sure. kind of rough watches. I feel that for sure. All right, so let's let's start with let's start with the rookie of the year conversation because that's where we really that's where we hope to see more wins. I would say than whatever. So, uh, give me the the pitch in like one minute for Tyrese Halliburton to be the rookie of the year. Well, nobody is as efficient as Halliburton with uh, he's shooting 12, 12 points a game right now, along with five assists, only one and a half turnovers, um, great assist to turnover ratio. And then 46% from the field, 40% from three on five attempts a game, 84% from the free throw line. Um, he just doesn't have that many weaknesses to his game uh, out the gate. And I think you just saw him be one of the most impactful, players from the jump and you've seen him do it all season long um there wasn't too much of a rookie wall that he hit or anything like that um yeah just extremely high iq and i think he's just been one of the most impactful rookies from the jump um and extremely efficient which i think is rare for a rookie um and you know you've seen ants kind of come around in that end more as of late um yeah i will admit i do think this is lamello's award yeah, and I was gonna, I was gonna kind of come back to the Lamelo Ball thing, but um, so I'll give you the my argument for for Ant quick in about a minute. So Anthony Edwards, um, counting stats, leading the lead or leading all rookies in scoring, and his uh, averages just keep going up. Um, you know when Lamelo went down, he was at about like 
maybe six, 15, 16 a game. He's up to 18.3 a game. Um, efficiency's turning around post all-star break. He's averaging like 20 plus points, um, around like five rebounds, uh, a couple assists a game. Um, and he's just a fun, really fun player to watch for, for basketball fans in general, you know, especially diehards, just kind of fun, but like casual fans, they like to see the dunks. They like to see all that stuff. Halliburton is a joy to watch for me and you and, and those of us around the, you know, NBA, Twitter, whatever, that really just love solid basketball, contributing players and everything. Um, so he's been really fun, but Edwards is just like, you know, dunk of the year candidate, all of those things. And I don't necessarily think that the rookie of the year award has as much to do with impact as MVP award does, just because I think you're looking for like a fun player that you can see is doing good also has potential to be great. Um, and I think that, you know, Ant has more potential than, than uh, Halliburton does. Halliburton has been impacting winning more. He's more efficient. And the Kings, though they're still not great, do have a better record um, than the Timberwolves, which usually doesn't factor much into the rookie of the year race. But um, with the news Lamelo Balls coming back, at first I thought maybe playing 41 games for him wasn't uh, enough to lock it up, you know? Um, but if he comes back and plays 10 more, 15 more, do you think that's enough for voters to say LaMelo is the rookie of the year or can at least be voted, be voted on, you know? Yeah, I think so. Because at least until Ant's recent surge, I kind of felt like LaMelo was the clear number one. Um, and I agree with that. That kind of makes me overlook when he was in, you know, jokes aside, posting on Twitter aside that ants rookie of the year. I agree. I, at that point, when, when Lamelo went down, he was my rookie of the year because not only was he fun, electric, efficient, he was also impacting winning. So he had all of it. Ant has some of those Tyrese has some of those, but, but Lamelo was the one that had all of it. Totally. Yeah. He's got the flashiness that, you know, voters, I think, um, are going to take kindly to, and ant does as well. I guess Halliburton does also, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't expect Lamelo to be a good three-point shooter from the jump, and 37 yeah. percent on five upward of five attempts, I think, is ridiculous for him. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, to be able to impact winning and be efficient, put up the counting numbers. Um, Halliburton doesn't really put up that too many shots. You know, it's uh, I see 10 for Halliburton, and then it's 16 for Ant. Um, and it's been a lot more than Lamelo and Lamelo's. Yeah, which makes sense. And I think that, you know, you're not going to see Halliburton. I want to say he broke 31 time, which I, I wouldn't have expected him to do that this year. But, you know, LaMelo Ant are guys that are going to have those monster right. games sometimes. And I, I don't think Halliburton is really that. So I think Ant could have. Um, I, I think it's a race between those two guys um, because the corner that Ant has turned. And I think that if he put together some really big performances like he kind of has recently, that he could be in that conversation too. For sure. Yeah. I think this is, well, really, I think it's a three man race. Um, if Lamelo comes back, play some more games. It's a three man race. I would say, unless Lamelo just looks bad to finish off the year and Ant just soars or Halliburton just goes crazy and Lamelo looks bad. I think it's going to be Lamelo's award. And I'm glad that he's coming back from injury because you never want to see players get injured, but that's just a really, it's a really interesting conversation to be had because they all are, all have their 
very valid cases, you know, regardless, like somebody scoring 18 points a game, like, yeah, you want that guy to, um, win it. Somebody that is dropping triple doubles as a rookie and is like the top five passer in the league already. That guy should win it. Somebody that's impacting the game, being efficient, uh, being a really good defender should win it. All those guys have cases and in other years would have won it over, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, any of these guys, Malcolm Brogdon wouldn't have had a chance against any of these three, but totally, that's just the nature of this is. And, and I think that speaks volumes to what this draft class has been compared to what people thought this draft class has been. Cause these aren't the only three rookies that have like showed out. I mean, the Timberwolves have two, like Jaden McDaniels has been one of the best rookie defenders. Uh, Patrick Williams has looked good. I'm, I'm going to miss a bunch Emmanuel of people, but quickly, quickly has yeah, been quickly amazing. Sadiq Bay are the two that stand out to me. Yeah. Sadiq, even Isaiah Stewart on, on the Pistons with Sadiq Bay. He's been really good mm-hmm. in certain um, games, actually a lot of games. So I got a little bit of a Poku crush. just coming yeah. around and he's fun to watch, man. Like if he had some yeah. counting stats, people would be calling for rookie of the year for him just cause he's just fun and something that we've never seen before. Um, so yeah, I would say, Right now, if I do, if if Lamelo comes back, plays at the level he's been playing at, you know, sixteen points, um, for ten games, I'd say he's clear cut number one. If Ant stays where he is at post All Star break, so he continues to average about twenty two points, shooting like forty five percent from the field and like thirty six from three or something, I would say he's probably number two, and then I put put Halliburton three. What what would you say if those were if Halburn stays where he's kind of been at altogether? Yeah, I'm probably the same for you. I think two or three is interchangeable, and right. they're probably neck and neck right now. And it's just going to depend how the season ends. Um, but if Ant keeps up what he has been, I, I do think that he probably ends up taking that um, by just having a significant advantage in you know points per game average and just those big games and right. highlights and things like that and. Um, and Ant clearly, you know, this is beyond rookie of the year voting this year, but I think Ant just so clearly has the higher ceiling, obviously with his ridiculous athleticism. Um, yeah, justified first overall pick and yeah, Halliburton, I think, you know, was already labeled coming into the league as a low ceiling, high floor guy. And you expected him to kind of impact a little bit earlier. Um, and he's done things that I think have made me really question, the whole low ceiling label that I had on him coming into the draft. He's shooting off the dribble um, and creating space for himself in a way that I did not expect. So maybe Halliburton can be a 18, 20 point guy in the future. Um, But I wouldn't bet on it. And I do think that that is probably what you're talking about for ant down the line. Um, You know, potential number one, two guy. Well, Halliburton's probably more of like a number three in my mind, more of an elite role player rather than a potential star. Right. And, and I don't think you can be mad about getting that type of player at, you know, the 12th pick in the draft coming into the draft. I kind of had the same sentiment of like lower ceiling, but really high floor type of guy. I didn't love his shot, but he made it in college. He's making the NBA. Sometimes it just doesn't look pretty, but it's, but it's going in and who cares? Um, I had him ranked 10th on my big board coming into the draft. So he actually went further down, um, than I had, I had Lamelo ranked at, at one, Edwards at two and then, then Halliburton down at 10. I had guys like Wiseman Okongwu up, up higher too. But yeah, I think that, um, that kind of 
what Halliburton has shown this year is that his ceiling is a lot higher than, than people thought it was. Um, I know the Timberwolves actually really liked Tyrese Halliburton coming in the draft, but they're just, you couldn't warrant taking Halliburton at that time with the number one pick. Um, I, even though I had him ranked 10, the consensus was he was going to be higher, you know, seven, eight. Um, so I had him ranked lower than the consensus and he actually fell lower than that. So yeah, I, I wouldn't have hated Atlanta. The Atlanta was the one that made a lot of sense for me. I think there were six. I had him mocked to Atlanta multiple times because it just made sense to get some defense next to, next to Trey young. Um, but they, they went another route and thankfully for the Kings, you know, they got really the best player who was left on the board by far at that 12th pick. So, um, have you had a chance to watch Edwards much outside of the, the Kings games? Only in bits and pieces, not as much as I would like. Just the highlights I, that seem to pop up I on mainly, Twitter every night. Well, I definitely see those. Uh, those are hard to miss. But I actually mainly caught full games at the beginning of the year, so I kind of caught the rough version of Ant. And it was um, rough. It was yeah. It was it, really it was definitely was. Um, so recently, though, I have not seen all too many games. And uh, yeah, I mean, Sacramento doesn't play any defense, and I know Minnesota doesn't either. We don't play any defense it, either, so. The Wolves it actually have the, the worst game... defense in the league since our new head coach came back. The worst. Oh, really? 30th. Wow, yeah. you took it from us. Wow. Defensive rating wow. of 119 over Whew. that stretch. Just, oh, yeah, man. Pitiful. Oh, man. Yeah, that is rough. But no defense on either team did make for a kind of fun game. Yeah, Even it was though fun. I love defense, it was exciting. Um, and But there's just multiple moments where you're like, holy crap, Anthony Edwards. Like, yeah. his... Both yeah, good and I mean, bad, it's, though. There's yeah, a bunch of moments sure. like, holy crap, Anthony Edwards, you need to get down in a defensive stance, too. But Right, right. Yeah, he's definitely a factor in that defense. Um, but yeah, rises up from just so effortlessly, so quick and from the so dunk far. dunk on DeLon Wright just didn't seemingly came out of like nowhere. And yeah. it was, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, it's, I haven't admittedly haven't been able to watch a ton of, of Halliburton games. I've watched, you know, a couple handful probably um, for at least a half or so, but it's really been tough this year considering how jam packed the schedule is with the wolves are playing literally every other night. Sometimes, you know, three out of four nights, you just don't have time to watch other games that are around the league. So it's been difficult to try and get, get to watching these other guys. But um, so that's why I kind of wanted to talk to you about it. Cause I haven't seen Hal Burton all year. So talking about that rookie of the year thing with somebody who has watched him a lot, um, just something I wanted to, wanted to do. I do have another question. Do you think performance head to head matters when you're talking about rookie of the year race? Interesting. Um, I hadn't considered this. I I'll say, I think it does. Like if it's down the stretch like this and it's like, you know, clearly these guys are neck and neck, right. You know, and yeah, I, I don't know that I would say, I think that if if it comes to the end and it's you're deciding between the two guys, you They're could at a go level back. Playing, right, right. Yeah, you could go back and be like, well, he kind of destroyed him when they played against each other, yeah. and that could give you the edge. So maybe if they're if they are that close, um, and maybe that's the case between Ant and Halliburton. That's interesting. I hadn't considered that. Do you think so? Um, so it's really interesting. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, but going back to Okay, so the Wolves and Kings have played twice here in the last, what, two weeks, basically. Um, 
The Wolves obviously won both games. Uh, I would say Ant for sure outplayed Halliburton last night. I would say um, probably in the first game too that he got outplayed, but Halliburton was like the only positive plus minus on the Kings that night. Like he himself didn't score the ball a lot, anything like that, but he was um, effective when he was on the floor. Um, So I would say Anno played him. I don't factor it in too much except like what you said at the end of the game, if, or at the end of the year, if they're like here, you know, neck and neck and you have to pick between them, then you go back and look and be like, okay, who played better against each other. Um, But that's interesting too, because if you go back to the Timberwolves um, versus the Hornets, when uh, LaMelo and Ant say it got to that level where you're trying to decide between those two, well, the Hornets beat the Wolves both times. And I mean, LaMelo played, really well i would i think ant outscored him or tied him in scoring in both games but he was more ant was definitely less efficient than than lamello was so i don't know um it's interesting to look at it because all these guys um i can you can sense that they want to play good against each other i wouldn't factor it in unless it's a tie-breaking situation i don't think that matters it's it's just a game how often are they matched up on each other for their 30 minutes a night it's probably you know, Ant and LaMelo barely matched up on each other. So I don't factor that much into it. I was just curious what you, what you thought about that. Yeah. It's, it's fun to see the guys, you know, take it as a challenge though, and, and up their intensity and level of play because they're going against a guy that they could be competing for an award with. Um, and, and I'll say, I think Halliburton should be getting more minutes than he is. Um, like it's ridiculous that. that he's not starting. Um, yeah. At, even though Mo Harkless did look good last Mo night. Mo Harkless had easy it easily was the Mo Harkless game. Yeah. It, right. Last night. He he did look very good last night. But yeah, no, but I he's think, probably not gonna like is he he might not even be on the team next year. Right. And and Halliburton is like a guy you're trying to build with. So the fact that he right. for the season is playing less than 30 minutes per game is just astounding to me. He should be 32 plus minutes uh per night, and he just he hasn't been then. That's kind of disheartening for, um, you know, somebody who wants to see him succeed. Uh, who do you put that on Luke Walton? Or do you think that comes from the front office or who do you think is telling, uh, you know, Halbern that he's not playing, you know, yeah, I th- 30 minutes. I, th- I think it's Luke trying to save his job. Um, and you know, the bench lineup has been really bad for Sacramento. I think the first performance against Minnesota that just happened, or not the first one, but the um, first of this back-to-back, the one that happened last night was probably the best bench performance we've seen from Sacramento all year. Right. Um, multiple guys showing up there. And I think the idea is, you know, Halberton to kind of run that second unit. Um, but you can just stagger, stagger them. Like, I think that he ideally is playing next to Fox, getting comfortable with that duo that's a long-term lineup that they need to be playing a lot of minutes together. Um, so I think it's Luke. Um, but I do think that you can look at the front office and be like, Hey, you should be telling the coach to be playing this guy. So right. I think you could fall on both. Um, but I, I mainly do point towards Luke. Um, and I will say maybe a way to transition us to the game. Um, the Timberwolves were really taking the ball out of Fox's hands. And especially late in the fourth quarter throughout the whole fourth quarter, really, it seemed like anybody but Fox from Minnesota's defense. Well, Fox is, I think Fox is one of the best fourth quarter scoring players in the league. So that, that definitely is something that 
I think Chris Finch and his staff like keyed in like anybody but him. He is not going to be the one to to kill you, and um, that's what they I did. did. That's what you should out. do, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like you said, he's leading the league. He might be second by like point one point right now um, in fourth quarter total points. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a great strategy. And you saw Toronto do it a lot. Anytime Fox was driving, they're digging hard and really making it difficult on him. Um, and he still, I don't, I don't know. He, he only had four points, I believe it was in the fourth quarter. But um, what I was getting to is I think that when that's happening is when you need Halliburton to be able to step up. If Halliburton is going to eventually be a number two option, which I think is on the table, but I wouldn't call it likely at this point, he needs to realize, okay, they're going to put all this effort into Fox. This is when I need to shine. I need to kind of, because part of the issue with Halliburton is that he's so passive, right? That he, he's just naturally a pass first guy, which is part of how he is. And part of the reason that Halliburton's so great. Um, but if you need a guy to be able to take over and step up to the moment, um, Halliburton has had his clutch shots and things like that, but there's never like, you know, just, last night specifically, I just would have loved to see all this effort is on Fox for Halliburton to be like, okay, give me the ball and let me do this now because I feel like he's clearly the number two. Even Barnes could have done it, I guess, but you would have liked to see Halliburton just because of what that would mean for the future of that duo. Um, But yeah, I mean, like if that was Ant or Lamelo, they're definitely taking that and trying to take over themselves, you know? So I think a mindset and play style thing also factors into it. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's um that's the kind of the situation where when you think about it, you have these multiple ball handlers, that's exactly what you have multiple ball handlers to do. You want to get them on the floor together so you can push the pace, you have options, and that's kind of what the Timberwolves uh do a lot. We've seen since D'Angelo Russell came back from injury, his first game back was the uh the Kings game, the first one, not last night, but ten games ago or whatever. Um D'Angelo Russell's played alongside Ricky Rubio or Jordan McLaughlin for a majority of his minutes. Plus, Anthony Edwards has been on the floor for a lot of minutes, who is also a primary ball handler and probably secondary ball handler, but a primary offensive initiator. Um, And that's kind of what you like to see, especially down the stretch. Just anybody can do something. So I would have liked to see if I were a Kings fan, like you said, having Halliburton out there at the end of the games, maybe he doesn't have to start. D'Angelo Russell's not even starting right now as he's getting ramped up, but he's playing pretty much full minute loads. Um, so I don't know why he's still coming off the bench. That's the story for another time, but um, it's more about who finishes the game than, than starts it. And I did Halliburton play the whole end of the game yesterday. Did he finish close the game out? I, I believe remember. that he did. Um, yeah. He, he's definitely part of that closing lineup. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty confident that he did. And it's, it's just so weird that you look at like 134 to 120. And I feel like the issue was that you didn't Offense. score enough points right. and you put up 120. Yeah. Uh, but it's because they scored 43 in the first quarter and they only scored 17 in the fourth. Yep. And it's like, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I've gotten past the point where I'm ever, you know, I, it, there's no point in every single game being like, well, they need to play better defense. Um, so I've kind of gotten yeah. past that and Me I'm just too. like, well, you just have it's to not gonna happen. Right. my guess. Yeah. And you, you just can't score 17 points in the fourth quarter. Um, right. Especially yeah. when you have so much offensive talent, you know, when you have guys that can, and that was a problem with the Timberwolves offensive rating has been, had been bad 
without Cat. And that was when you had D'Lo, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, all guys capable of giving you 20. And they were still a bottom five offense in the league. And that that was always the Wolves' biggest issue all season long. You know, how do you, you know, get that offense? And I guess the answer was Carl Anthony Towns. You put Cat out there and the offense is good. Take Cat out and the team just sucks. Um, but yeah, I guess last night it was like whichever team plays defense first is is going to win. And the, the Wolves, the Wolves went and did it. Um, but the, the, Wolves the Wolves are made an adjustment, you know, and right. this is the issue with Walton. And part of the reason that the third quarters have been so bad for the Kings the past two years for Walton's tenure is that the other team comes out after halftime, makes an adjustment and Walton doesn't. Um, and I think, you know, that's a big part of the issue. Like if you're clearly keying in on Fox, then other guys are going to be open. And I think that coach needs to make that apparent. Other guys need to step up. Um, yeah, I, I think the Timberwolves just made an adjustment. Sacramento didn't. Um, and, and I'll say, I think a Kogi did a really good job of staying in front of Fox actually. Um, yeah. there's Kogi's a, he's a, his point of attack defense is a little chaotic, but he's, he's typically pretty good. Um, quicker players kind of give him a, uh, more of a rough time. So him staying in front of Fox, um, was really encouraging. Jaden McDaniels also had a couple nice plays on, on Fox. And that's, really? that's a guy that I think has been flying under the radar. Obviously he's not going to win rookie of the year, but I think that's a guy that when you talk about, I think rookie teams is more of like the, who was impactful, get that guy here. I think Jaden McDaniels could be on all rookie first or second team, just because of how good a defense he's been playing. But back to the game, yeah, he played really good defense on Fox, specifically one possession that caused the the shot clock violation. But we're talking about the Timberwolves, especially in the fourth quarter, since the All-Star. Okay, so backstory. If you're not a Wolves fan, you don't really understand this. When Ryan Saunders was the head coach, the Timberwolves would get themselves good leads in the fourth, 10, 15 points, five minutes left. You feel comfortable. You can't do that. You could never feel comfortable until the game was, if there was 10 points left, if we're still up by 10 with a minute left, there was a 30% chance that game was getting lost. You had to, you were not done sweating until the game was over. Under Chris Finch, it's been a complete 180. The Wolves, since the All-Star break, have the second best offensive rating in fourth quarters in the league. They have the 10th best defensive rating and the best net rating in fourth quarters. Some of that's garbage wow. time because our scrubs will outplay other team scrubs. Um, but a lot of that has been, you know, with real, um, you know, competition out there. So they've been a really good fourth quarter team defensively and offensively, but they just can't play defense for, you know, they just try and outscore you until you get to the fourth and then you try and play yeah. some defense, which I guess if it works, it works, but they, that's not going to work to be like, yeah, a, I, don't, I don't know if it does. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, it works every now and then and you feel good about it, but yeah, unless your offense is so good, it's like maybe like, you know, Brooklyn, the Wolves offense isn't as good as Brooklyn's, but yeah, the last night's game was fun. Um, you just kind of felt from the get go, like, yeah, whoever makes more shots is gonna, is gonna win this game. And that's kind of what happened. Um, the Wolves was interesting. Cat was pretty much invisible offensively to start to start the game. I think he had like five points in the first quarter. 
Um, he was rebounding the ball well, but it was it was kind of the the ant show in the first quarter. He had 16, and then D'Angelo Russell came in, took over at the end of the first, beginning of the second. Um, but then it was cat down the stretch, and that's um, I think that's when you really need your best player to turn it on. The Wolves' best player did. The Kings' best player didn't because he was keyed in on so much. Um, I guess talking about De'Aaron Fox and Carl Anthony Towns, because I think um, they're close to the same tier when you talk about like players. Do you think that either of those players can be the best player on a, maybe not a championship team, the best player on a home court advantage team in the playoffs? Yeah, I just uh, have been contemplating this a lot with Fox. I, I do think so. Um, Fox has taken a big leap this year. I'll say from Fox's point of view, solely for this for now, um, I, I totally think that's the case. And I think you needed, obviously, another like all-star caliber guy on that roster. Um, I think you know seeing just one star-level guy is not enough for some of these teams, especially when you're talking the Western Conference. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Fox totally can. I think that he's shown a confidence and willingness to shoot the ball from range, even if he's not hitting it at a great clip enough that defenses have to respect him there. Um, the way that we've seen him just fully take over games in the fourth quarters this year, um, maybe things change as teams are taking the Kings more seriously and he's more game planned against kind of like we saw in the fourth quarter of this Minnesota game. Um, but I, I think Fox is going to be able to work around that. I think, you know, you're mainly talking offensively. I think, um, with that general question. And yeah, I mean, I think he can be a number one engine on a pretty good offensive team. You're kind of already seeing it, even though I think it is important that like, I don't think teams take the Kings all that seriously. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, um, that Fox can be, and I think the question when it was cat, right. Was more so, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I think that the idea is you felt like he can do it on offense, but is he too much of a defensive liability? And that's really improved this year, right? Right. Yeah. And that, and I'd say that was fair. You know, um, cat. Oh, the question's always been about Carl Anthony Towns' defense. Um, and this season, at the beginning of the year, cat was playing just really solid, like really good. I would say really good defense, but he was only scoring 21 points a game. And so Dane Moore, I don't know if you know who Dane, you know who, Dane, yeah. I'm Dane's actually talking to Dane later tonight. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Dane, um, on his podcast would always talk about maybe cat can't do both. Maybe he can't score 25 points a game and still have enough energy to play defense. And it kind of looked like that. It kind of looked, it was like cat still not playing. Um, he's still good enough, you know, 20 point. 21 points a game, but he's, he's a good offensive player, but he's playing solid defense, but he's not a great offensive player anymore. Um, but since Chris Finch has came around, cat's been a great offensive player, averaging like 27 points a game and six assists on great efficiency. And he's also still playing that defense, maybe a slight bit down, maybe a little bit worse than he was the first handful of games, but Still really good. So it turns out that that was just a thing of, okay, cat just need a coach that put a system around him um, that worked well. And Chris Finch did that. And, and uh, Ryan Saunders didn't do that, but so yeah, I think personally, I think cat can be 
the best player on a, on a home court advantage team in the playoffs, but I think that your second best player needs to be, and I kind of think this was there, De'Aaron Fox too, really close. So if, if Kat and De'Aaron are top 15 players, I think you need a, a top 30, top 35 player next to them. I don't think you can get away with having a uh, top 50. You know, I don't think D'Angelo Russell can be your second best player. I think okay. you have to hope that he's your third. Anthony Edwards turns out to be your second where he's a top 30, 35 player in the league. And I kind of think that the same way with, with, uh, with the uh, Kings, but I don't know who that second, who that second star is or who that ideal second star, who do you, cause you don't want another guard. You have Halliburton to be your third or fourth guy. So are you thinking you want a, a wing, you know, a three, four or a big, what, what is your hope for that second star next to Darren Fox? I would say a wing, um, just kind of in a vacuum. I, I think that wings are just in general more valuable than big men, unless they're absolutely elite big men, um, right? Like a Jokic or an Embiid, which you just yeah. And I kind of don't even get your think hands that, like, on. Cat just falls a little below. I mean, I mean, maybe not a little, but he's below those guys. He's still obviously top tier. Like there's, I would say, you so, know, yeah. this fat pool of mediocre or just like above average centers right yeah and Rashawn Holmes is Han and Rashawn Holmes is at the top end of that you know right but I I feel like you could say he's like the 15th best center in the league even like top 10 borderline but it's because once you hit eight there's a major fall off it's just a ton Um, of a ton of those guys where it's like you're fine you know and that's why drafting a center is so weird because you can just go get a guy for eight million bucks that is a what top 25 center league you just right there's solid centers everywhere so i kind of agree with you know the wings the wings are more impactful they win in this league um, and, and the kings have historically struggled to get wings on this roster i think that's why barnes has been important i think that's why they have a little bit of a crush on harkless right now and he's starting over tyrese halliburton at the moment um but you know i i think that the way that you get that guy is in the draft and i think that's why myself and so many people and even Monty McNair, new GM, it was reported that he looked at this as a gap year. Um, and I, I think that, you know, it made sense. It felt like the last season that you could reasonably, you know, the, the word tank gets so much crap, um, but develop the young talent, you know, is how I'll say it. Um, right. Give the young guys all the minutes. There's no reason for Maurice Harkless to be playing 30 minutes. Like I, I think he had a great game. Um, but you know, the game tonight is not what matters for the Kings. You know, they need to be right. thinking a couple years down the line. I think Fox Halliburton's a great duo. Um, and maybe Holmes is part of that future core as yell. And, you know, I think the idea was that Bagley was supposed to be that guy, um, yeah, and he that, that could even be the higher ceiling than Fox. I thought at the time. Um, well, it seems like athleticism. It, it for sure seemed like it at that time. I mean, he was a highly right. touted player at high school, highly touted out of college and injuries have kind of derailed things too, but he just hasn't been, um, yeah, what you want. Right. Um, and, and he might never be, um, I, I mean, he might not be a starting guy in the league, um, at throughout the peak of his career. So at this point, I think that, um, it, ha- it has to be in the draft and, you know, I, I think that uh, the situation they're in right now, sitting at the seventh best odds, if you just end up top five, that you have that guy. Um, you know, that I'm sure you're aware with Timberwolves draft situation, loaded top five Quite aware, in this draft. Yeah. So I think, you know, we could be having this rookie of the year conversation again next season. 
um, with two whole different guys. But I think that the way that you get that guy that's, you know, on par with Fox a little bit before him, somewhere between Halliburton level and Fox level, right? Because I think Halliburton, there's a chance that he could be your number two, but he would have to develop a lot, which isn't out of the picture for sure. It's his rookie year. Um, But how old is Tyrese Halliburton? He was a sophomore coming out of college, right? So he's probably 21 or 21. Yeah. 21. Okay. So he's, he's still really young. You know, he's not a 23 year old coming to the league. Right. So there's definitely still developments that are going to be had there. And maybe he can be that number two guy, but I think at least you need another guy on Halliburton's caliber. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, top five is the obvious place to do it. And right. while I said I, I prefer a wing, if I'm sitting there at two, I'm taking Evan Mobley. I was like, sure. yeah. And and if I'm sitting there at two, I'm taking Mobley too. Because the thing about Evan Mobley is uh, he guards very well four, five, three, two, whatever. I mean, he just moves his feet really well. He's a he's not a shooter. He's not going to space the floor great. I think he's a little capable. I don't know for sure um, what his stats look like, but. Cat has also shown Chris Finch has made an adjustment to allow Cat to play out on the perimeter. The first Kings game versus the Wolves a couple weeks ago, Cat guarded Harrison Barnes, and he was the most effective player on the roster guarding guarding Barnes. And he's he's shown to guard those type of players, and he's actually been pretty good, which is something coaches um, that he's had before. Just it was kind of like a one of the Ten Commandments was don't let Cat guard anyone but a center. And now um, he's shown that he's pretty good. So I think matchup based him and Evan Mobley, you could find out which one works the best um, and play those guys. Then you slide Jaden McDaniels down to the three, Anthony Edwards at the That's two, big, big lineup D'Lo at the D'Lo at the one, you got a six, five point guard, a six, five shooting guard, six, 10 small forward, a seven, Jeez. seven footer at the four and then cat or cat at the four, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think that'd be a really fun lineup. I think Cade Cunningham is far and away the best talent in the draft. And at six, eight, you could run him D'Lo and Ant all together and just match up base off that um, and just kind of have three ball handlers. It would be fun, but there's only a 40% yeah. chance either of those things come to fruition. So Halliburton that is Cade where we played a under 16 league together for a while. So I'm holding out. Interesting. I'm, yeah. Interesting. I can't help but watch those games. We think about like John Morant and Zion Williamson run the AAU team right. together too. It just seems ridiculous, but yeah. So I think, it all comes down to the draft and the draft is what in June. So only a couple months or the, the draft lottery is in June. So only a couple months away. It's going to be a stressful lottery from, yeah, it, from it your point sure of view, is. especially um, well, mine as well. I think like, yeah, landing at six is going to be such a funky scenario. Right. But, but um, you never know. Somebody could be like, you know, who do you consider the top five players? You have Cunningham, Mobley, Suggs, Green and Kuminga. Yeah. And I think Kuminga is okay. clearly fifth though. So yeah, I, think, I think like, so too. I think there's an, a, a slight chance that Kuminga falls, you know, that's what I, I would say too. I wouldn't bet on it, but yeah, like if you're at six, there's a chance, right? It's like, well, last year and, and it's further in the draft, but sitting at 12 for Sacramento, I was like, well, this sucks. There's clearly 11 guys to me. Yeah. Um, but, but you always kind of think that when you have that pick, you're like, hey, right. There's only 11 guys. We got 12. There's only 11 guys. We got right. five. There's only four guys. But I get what you're saying. Um, but but it felt pretty clear to me, but it was like, okay, well, obviously there's a chance someone could jump or maybe, you know, the somebody might love like a Corey Kiss, Corey Kiss, Jalen Johnson, Jalen like, Smith is exactly what happened in Phoenix. Uh-huh. I think he went 10 um, and I was like, holy crap, we're getting one of the seller Halliburton. 
this is perfect. And I was fine with either one and ended right. up with Halliburton. So yeah, it just takes one person to um, reach. Right. Right. And I think that with, um, when you're talking about that, even if you're sitting at six, what did we see last year? Patrick Williams, who was a consensus, probably like eight to 12 guy went four. So if you just need Scotty Barnes, who was a somewhat similar to Patrick Williams type of player, you know, really good defender. Yeah. You don't know what his offense is going to look like. He could jump up. Somebody could fall in love with him. Um, I don't know who, but somebody could fall in love with him up there at their pick. And, you know, there you go. You're sitting with Kaminga at six or whoever it is. Um, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, so number one, you'd say is Cade. You'd said you'd take two. You'd take Mobley. Three, would you go Suggs or would you go Jalen Green? They're both, Jalen Green's taller, but he's also smaller. He's yeah. 30 pounds lighter. Right. Which I think is the issue. You know, like we've seen a lot of three guard lineups from the Kings this year, especially when Joseph, Corey Joseph, Corey Joseph was still mm-hmm. on the roster. Um, but I think you need one of them to be stronger. Like you said, like Fox and Halliburton are both uh, slimmer guys that I think could get overpowered. And I don't think there's any world where either one of those guys is guarding a three. Um, I, I think they would right. just get bullied. Um, but I think Suggs, you know, six four, two oh five, like he could guard threes. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess Green can in a pinch. He's got more height to him, you know. Um, and, and the idea is that, you know, you would just need a really good four or five defensive pairing. Right. Um, so I, I would I would take Suggs before Green. Um, but I, I'm really not uh, it, it could go either direction. I'm right. not upset with either pick because I, I think that green for a little while, I was debating putting him two until Mobley just absolutely won me over. Um, I, I think green scoring potential is just through the roof. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with that too. I think uh, for the wolves, that one's interesting. I think you just take Cade one just because he's the best player. You just don't want to screw that up Two, I could see him going, you know, Suggs putting him at the one and at the three D'Lo at the two, you know, Jalen and D'Lo, whatever green. I don't see too much just cause I think he's very similar to ant maybe better, but very similar type of player. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little partial to Jalen Suggs. Obviously he's from Minnesota. I watched him play basketball oh, right. in high school and play football in high school. I, I was going to say, we he have to mention it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, it's funny because he actually in the state tournament, um, for the football, we were there cause he was playing the, the high school that my, my girlfriend's siblings go to. And it's actually the school district. I just got a job in. Um, so it's kind of interesting. We see all, all these clips of Jalen Suggs playing. And then it's like Wilmer, which is like the school that we were there watching in the background. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know if you've heard, he's a quarter, he was a quarterback, um, which seems like every, t- you couldn't say anything about Jalen Suggs without hearing he was a quarterback. Uh, but yeah. I do, I do think he's just a winner too. Um, and now totally. Gonzaga got Chet Holmgren, who was Suggs's high school teammate and is just a freak. Maybe you want to tank next year, and there is your second star. Yeah, right there. Maybe, but maybe hopefully the draft lottery. Is, odds, hopefully, both of our teams are competent at some point. Well, we are the the two least competent organizations over the last fifteen years yeah. i would say you know i mean the wolves have been to the playoffs once i don't know the last time the kings i think they hold you hold the longest years. one it's been 15? 15 years you know so lamarcus aldridge just retired right yeah when his entire career without seeing the kings make the playoffs marcus played nice. a long time too yeah 
He did. And that, yeah. and that the Wolves were in the same boat. You know, they went from 0-3 or 4 or whatever to not make the playoffs until a couple years ago when they beat out the Nuggets right, the in Jimmy game 82. Yeah. Yeah, the Jimmy year. And then everything went back downhill. It was very entertaining, I will say. Maybe from an outside perspective, but it was not entertaining. (laughs) It was not entertaining for us. Um, Okay, one last thing. I just want to talk about what do you think, adjustment-wise, the Kings will do tonight to kind of counter um, some of the... Because I don't think the Wolves will shoot the ball as well as they did last night, but who knows if the Kings will. Buddy Heald didn't shoot great last night, did he? Maybe he did. No, I just three of 11, um, every single attempt from downtown. I, I mean, I would just guess that this game is more about the stars because right. it seemed like it was like really featuring a lot of role players, you know, like Mo Harkless hitting three from downtown, um, DeLon Wright hitting four threes, Terrence Davis knocked down a couple of Chemezi Metu had 16 points. Metu was pretty impressive that last game. Yeah, he um, was. Nasri did not like Nasri yeah. did not like Metu at all. Um, so I, I mean, I really think that like Fox and Halliburton just need to come out and, uh, make their presence known on the offensive end of the floor. I'm not really going to talk about any defensive adjustments because I don't think we ever see those anyways. Um, but I I think that Fox needs to be more aggressive and sometimes you don't see that. Um, it was reported that I guess he had some slight injury. So he was on a minute restriction, um, which just came out, I want to say today, actually. I think I saw that too, yeah. Or maybe after the game last night, but it wasn't disclosed before the game, which is suspicious from the Kings' right. point of view. And, and and there's been a couple times this year where I remember questioning Fox of, you know, he doesn't bring it on a night-to-night basis. And it's like, well, he might be dealing with a lingering injury that still happened recently. So that could be the case right, right. now. Um, but I, I, I do think that, you know, the team goes as far as Fox carries them and, 14 points, only four in that fourth quarter against a really bad defense is just not enough from Fox. Right. So I kind of think the main thing is that he just needs to be able to take over. And then when team, when, if Minnesota decides to go with the same as they probably should anyone, but Fox tactic, um, Halliburton and Barnes are the two to me. And I, right. I think Barnes, um, as much as I want it to be Halliburton, I think Barnes has an easier chance at that, um, at the current stage of his career and right. And what if McDaniels is guarding him, I think he totally can overpower him. Even right. though McDaniels has been a good defender, I think Barnes is so slow methodical that he's definitely going to be able to get McDaniels to bite or just be able to power through him do like this super slow old man Euro that he does and things like that. So um, yeah, I think Fox needs to have pedal to the metal from the start. And then when it hits that fourth quarter need to be able to turn to one of Halliburton or Barnes, if Fox is absorbing all that pressure, um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of think, like I said, I, I, I think it's more of a star battle tonight. Yeah. And, and, um, I guess for the wolves, your hope is, you know, you know, De'Aaron Fox probably is not going to score 14 points against probably going to have a much better game than he did last night. Um, so at, from the wolves perspective, you just hope that you don't let Mo Harkless have 20 and you don't let Metu have 16 and you don't let. Delon Wright go for 14, which isn't like out of the question. Delon Wright, I don't know what he averages for the year, 10 points. So that's 14 is nothing absurd. But like you just hope if if Fox is killing you, those those other guys aren't. Um for the Wolves perspective, I would say I don't know if you'd see much adjustment offensively. Um it's just gonna be who's rolling. That's how they just kind of go. Cats totally cool, just 
letting other people cook because he knows he's going to get his. It um, seems like it's always D'Lo against the Kings. And that's, but I always feel like his buddy healed against, against the wolves. And last night was the first time it felt like it felt like it wasn't. Um, I would say this, the Kings have a very, very good chance to win tonight because the wolves have not won back-to-back games since the first two games of the season. Wow. The last time wow. they did, they beat the Pistons opening night and then they beat the jazz the second game of the year. And since then they have not won twice in a row. And they keep saying impress. They say the right things in the press conferences, but they don't do the right things in the game. So we'll see um, what that looks like. But yeah, they, the Kings have a good shot because the wolves don't play well in second. Yeah. Like, after I, I, I wish I could have gave you a better answer. It's just, it's hard with these for me because I, I feel like most adjustments you make are on the defensive end of the floor um yep. and maybe not i i'll admit like i i very much favor defense i think i just enjoy the defensive side of basketball uh, uh-huh. which has made this year very rough um but yeah i mean uh, a lot of this these two teams is just going to come down to who's going to score more you know same right. like if if you threw portland in this mix um with either of these two teams it's like okay well who's hitting their shots tonight and yeah. which which star is gonna go crazy and i think we probably have another close game in the fourth quarter um, and yeah, that, that's where it'll get interesting to me with, you know, can they get Barnes and Halliburton more involved in the fourth quarter or anybody not named Fox more involved right. in the fourth quarter? Um, and, and I think that once those guys start to draw a little bit of pressure, then it's like, okay, kick it out to Fox. And he only has to do a couple dribbles before he finally can take a shot or get to the rim or anything like that. Right. Um, but I think the fourth quarter is just going to be about taking the pressure off of Fox. Yeah. And I, and I kind of agree with that too. Um, but yeah, I think the other tough thing with making adjustments is I don't know how you feel about Luke Walton as a coach, but I don't think he's a great coach. So no. great, bad coaches don't make good adjustments or know? any adjustments or any yeah. adjustments. Or, you're I, right. I, yeah. I guess, I guess like starting Harkless for Halliburton is technically an adjustment. An adjustment, but it, yeah. how long has that been happening the last few games or was that just last night? Yeah. I want to say it's about four or five games okay. now. So, so Luke Walton can't just hang his hat on 20 point Mo Harkless first game in no. the Saren lineup. And okay, that's good. That's good for you because I don't, I don't want that to keep happening, but do you want the Kings to win? What is your, like, are you tank tank, lose every game, try to get down as far as you can or what, what is your stance? I say lose as many games as you can because that's, what's best for the future. But uh-huh. when the game is on, I'm rooting for them to win. I just can't help it. Yeah. And that's kind of how I've been um, all year too with the wolves. But right now, when you look at the standings, the Kings are currently in the Western conference. They have the fourth worst record in the Western conference. They're like the seventh odds, I think in the draft. Yeah. Um, I, for the wolves don't want them to lose. I want them to go about 500, maybe get down, um third right now we're the second worst we just passed the rockets again um Hmm. but i think that growth from cat delo and all working together seeing some wins kind of the phoenix suns thing where they played really good to end the season in the bubble you know that really catapulted them to be able to get chris paul be able to whatever i think if you get the wolves to win some games they're not going to be good um and they're really far out from having like the fourth and fifth worst record like right now they have the second worst um 
the Magic and, and Pistons both have two more wins than the Wolves currently. And then after that, the next closest is the Thunder and the Cavs. And they have four more wins. And there's only, you know, 13 games left or whatever. So you think about, it would take a lot for the Wolves to really slip down to like the fifth worst odds. And if that happened, right. if they're anywhere from four to four to one, their odds are at least like 36 and a half percent. It's yeah. 40 if you're top three, 36. I'm like, I'll take that to see a clearer path for what we can do. Understand who needs to go, who can play, whatever. Totally. Right now, the Wolves are six and five with Cat and D'Lo. If you're telling me if they go out the rest of the season, they are 500 with those two. Um, you're either bringing back um, Malik Beasley next year or you're trading him for someone and you possibly can bring in a rookie that could be impactful as a rookie and for the future. I want to see that. Not to mention you might be able to use like your mid-level to get somebody solid if they see. You know, you almost got Derek Jones Jr. last year. If they see that the Wolves have something with their core, you can go get a $10 million guy to play some defense on the wing, to hit an open shot. That's not Juancho Hernan Gomez because I just can't deal with Juancho Hernan Gomez anymore. That's my stance. But I get the King's stance because you've seen De'Aaron and Tyrese already look good. Other than For that, sure. you're still trying to find your your piece. Yeah, two the stretches Wolves haven't of, seen that. Yeah, two stretches of winning seven of eight games, um, beating good teams, um, going neck and neck with Philadelphia a couple times. Um, they they beat Brooklyn on the shoulders of Tyrese Halliburton, really. Um, so yeah, they they have had some promising basketball, and I think like the important difference when you're talking about you know do you want to win or lose games. Um, is like you said, Minnesota is like in a spot where they're pretty much already going to be top four, top five, unless there's some outlier situation. Sacramento sitting at seven, they're three and a half games from being sixth, um, but they are only two games from falling to 11th. Yeah, so, that's not where you want to be. Right. So kind of need to, you know, clearly be one of these teams in this tier of five or so that is, at the bottom end and, and yeah you know i'll say that i think in the draft from six to ten even like 12 i don't know how big of a difference there will be in between For those sure. talents it seems like there's kind of like a tier break there um but i do think obviously you know the higher the better like i think five six seven is hopefully the sort of range that you're talking about um right. for the kings and yeah i mean just be in a spot where you know you have a chance to jump yeah and i think with the kings um there's a little comfort knowing you're going to have your pick no matter what. Correct. Like you don't. For sure. Yeah. And we, we don't have that. You. Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to really think too much on it until the season's over. I'll put out my Kate is coming tweets every so often. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't, I don't play too much into it until it's really time to think about that. But other yeah, than that, I, I'm, I'm talking about it all the time. I yeah, think yesterday sure. I was tweeting about Evan Mobley. For yeah. sure. I also just don't have time to look into the draft prospects as much as, as much I did last, last summer. I just had days mm-hmm. to just watch. Oh yeah. Right. This year's yeah, a I mean, the summer was so long too. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. You had and, yeah, pre, and pre-bubble months. too. I started doing it. Yeah. But I guess last thing before we go, uh, prediction tonight, I guess we, I don't always like to do like, who's going to win. So I want to do this prediction tonight. More points than last night combined, or less points than last night combined? What was last night? Hundred and one thirty-four to one twenty. So we got so two fifty-four total. Two fifty-four. So, so, what are you thinking? More points Jeez. combined or less? Less points combined. 
Back end of a back to back. I think it's less. Well, that's I'm so going. dangerous. It's so dangerous. Less <laughs> that's these two teams. It's it that shouldn't be that hard of a question, but I'm right. gonna go less. I'll go less. I think. Yeah, I think guys are just gonna be tired. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with less because there were some like 40 point quarters that probably slow down a little bit. Like I said, I think it's more reliant on the stars this game. And right. I don't think their efficiency would be amazing, but I don't think you get like this raining threes. Like the st- I think it was specifically the first quarter of that game was ridiculous. Insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, 43 to 39 at the end of that first quarter, which is just ridiculous. Um, it's like an old school halftime score. Right. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, yeah I, I think that the role players probably come back down to earth a little bit. I mean, bit. there was 30, there was 36 threes made last night, 18 Jeez. for each team, 18 yeah. for each team. Both teams were, the Wolves were 18 for 43. Kings were 18 for 42. Just yeah. insane. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I think that's all I had. So good luck tonight to your Kings. Hopefully you can either feel good about a win or feel good about getting closer to that six pick odds. Um, but thanks for doing this with the man. I really appreciate it. And other than that, do you have any last words? I do not. You know, one thing I guess I forgot is I think Fox needs to get to the line a bunch this game. He only had three attempts last night. I want to say he averages about a seven and a half. Um, so definitely want to see him get more aggressive and get towards the basket. And, you know, if you can get cat and foul trouble or Jada McDaniels foul trouble, um, which seems totally feasible that that could be important as well. Both um, of those are very possible. Cat averages almost four fouls a game. So you could yeah, get Cat being to foul able to take them out like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully Fox can. And, and that comes back to, you know, Fox just needing to be more aggressive from the jump, right. um, which I kind of said earlier. But no, I think that's it, man. I appreciate you having me on and uh, yeah, definitely be glad to come back on at any point. Awesome. Thank you. Well, maybe one day when we're talking about rookie of the year, if somebody wins or somebody doesn't win, we'll see if the votes are close. But Anyways, thank you, Brenda, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I will see you guys in the next one. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.